Well, how great is our God? Amen. You know what? I love this artwork because it reminds me of, uh, I'm just really a leftover hippie. Those were my days. And, I, and I, when I first saw the artwork, I was like, oh, it's taking me back in time. I'm not so sure that's always a good idea, but it, it did take me back in time. So good evening. I am Laura Lemp. And um, I wanted to start off, I, I read the definition of a Christian the other day, and this is what it said. It said, it is one who is completely fearless, continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. <laughs> and that's exactly who we are. So the topic is, let the sun shine in impossible circumstances. And I love this word, let. The word let, which it means to allow, to permit, and to authorize these things that happen. You know, and I have to ask myself, do we though? Do we allow those things? Do we allow him to be the light in our impossible circumstances? God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that light was good. And this was God's first order of business. When you open up Genesis, I think it's in verse 3. That's how important light is to him. Because light guides, it comforts, it overpowers, and it overtakes darkness. And we need it. We need light. We need light. But before we get into the message, I want you to tuck in, into the back of your mind the following two scriptures. Well, maybe I can do this. Connie, I thought I had it down, but maybe this way? Oh, I got it. Did I get it? Yes. Matthew 5, 14 through 15. Jesus said, you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And the next verse I have, whoops, I'm messing up already, Connie. Why can't I do this? This way? Oh, I'm hitting the wrong arrow. Okay, Romans 8.18. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this isn't an easy subject. It's not an easy subject to talk about. It's not an easy subject to experience or go through. But Lord, we know that you are able and that you are here and that you are near. And Father, I ask that your spirit would fill each woman here tonight, that you have something to say to them. You have something to say to me. So Lord, we invite you into our presence. We need you. We need your light. So, Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, we know that impossible difficulties 
are part of this fallen, sinful world. It says it in the, wor- in, the, in the word. We know that to be true. But to let him shine in our impossible circumstances means we reflect him in our circumstance. We reflect him. I was reminded when I was studying through this, I was reminded that in order for the moon to reflect the sun, it needs for nothing, nothing to come between it and the sun. And if we are to reflect him, we need to let nothing, nothing, not that circumstance, no, not that circumstance, and no, that not that circumstance either. We let nothing, nothing, and no one come between you and him. And that's what we do so many times. We, and we, we can let nothing come between us and Jesus. Do not let him be eclipsed in your life by your impossible circumstance. I've told this story before, and I'm going to tell it again because I, I just love this story. It speaks to me. And it's a story of a little boy who goes out into the fields with his father. And the father points to this, this big rock. It's a big boulder. And the father asks the, for the little boy to pick it up. So the boy, he tried, and he couldn't. He could not pick it up. And he went back to his father. He said, I can't, I can't. And the father said, no, try again, try again. Don't give up, you know. And the little boy comes back again. And this goes on back and forth for a while. Finally, the little boy comes and he says, Daddy, I have tried everything. I have tried everything, but I cannot pick this up. And, and the father said, you have tried everything? And he said, yes, I have tried everything, Daddy. And the daddy said, you haven't asked me to help you yet. And often we are like that little boy. We give up. We give up because we fail to believe. We, forget, we give up because we fail to believe that anything can be done in our impossible circumstance. And really when it comes down to it, it's a matter of trust. Do we trust Jesus in our impossible circumstance? Trust, it's 100%, I've got a definition, confidence about an object's integrity, strength, or ability. And the object we're speaking about here tonight is Jesus. So are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to let him shine in your lifelong chronic illness, whether it's ALS, MLMS, whatever it is? It's, not, it's something that's not ever going to go away. Are you willing to trust him in a life-limiting disease, maybe a terminal disease, cancer? Are you willing to trust him with brain injuries or disabilities, whether those disabilities are mental, physical, or spiritual? Are you willing to trust him with those? Are you willing to trust him with a marriage that is dying, or maybe it's already dead? Are you willing to trust him with your prodigal, so far gone? Are you willing to trust him with the death of a spouse? Or maybe it's the death of a child. You know, in the word, 
all the way starting from Genesis through Revelations, we become aware when we're in the word that there are many great men and many great women written about that have experienced difficult circumstances, impossible circumstances. I think about Elijah, even though he was a mighty, mighty man of God, and he experienced many victorious um, victories over Baal. So he, was, he, was, he experienced victories even. Yet he ran. He ran for his life from Jezebel. And he ran there in the desert. He sat down. He prayed. And he was defeated. And he was worn out. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 19.4. And this is, this is Elijah speaking. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. All right, how many times have we said to the Lord, no more? No more. I can't do this. I won't do this. It's too much. And we too sit down in our desert, alone and defeated and worn out. And what about Job? We all know about Job, right? A mighty, another mighty man, this righteous man of God. He lost everything, everything. In fact, his wife actually tells him to curse God and die. And Job, he struggled, he struggled so much. He struggled deeply in his pain. He struggled so deeply in his suffering. So much so that this is what he asks in Job 3.11. Why did I not perish at birth? and die as I came from the womb. And in Job 3.26, he says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And what about Joseph? A boy betrayed, a man enslaved, accused, thrown into jail, a man forgotten. Eve, a son murdered. And what about Hagar, a slave woman, forced to be a surrogate mother for Sarah and Abraham? She was mistreated severely by Sarah, severely. So much so that first, the first time she runs away into the desert, but yet 14 years later, she's, she's cast out by them into the wilderness. She is sent out with only a skin of water. And this is what Genesis 21, 15 and 16 says. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself, about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said as she burst into tears. Impossible, impossible circumstances. And then there is the woman with the issue of blood. In the book of Mark 25, 5, 25 through 34, it says this. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. 
For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, immediately, the fountain of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you ask, who touched you? Who touched me? Jesus looked around to see who had done this thing. The woman, in fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, most times when we read this story or we speak about this story, we, we forget about the 12 years. We always only see the outcome of the story. We see the end of the story. We see the victory of the story. We don't see the 12 years. Remember, Jesus only did uh, ministry for three years. So, I, I, and I'm not positive, so don't quote me on this, please, but I think this happened maybe in his second year. Maybe Pat, the Bible scholar, can tell me what year this happened in in his ministry. I'm not sure. But, you know, for all those years, she had tried everything, and she had tried everyone. And then she heard about Jesus. Heard, not seen not spoken to, she just heard. This woman had not only physical suffering for 12 years, but emotional suffering, spiritual suffering for 12 years. She was a social outcast for 12 years. According to Levit Levitical law, where she sat, what she touched, those things would become unclean. She was forbidden to participate in, in the faith community for 12 years. Could not worship for 12 years. She was a woman at the end of herself for 12 years. A woman out of resources for 12 years. A woman broken for 12 years. And I know that there are women in this room, maybe online, and their circumstances too, maybe 12 years or more. Lamentations, let me go over. Oops, did I miss one? Oh no, I didn't have that on the slide, sorry. Lamentations 325 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And I'm going to encourage you, you wait and you seek. Verse 26 tells us that she had spent all that she had and was no better. And sometimes we spend all that we have. We spend, we use our own strength, our might, our will, our time, our hope, and we, like this women, woman, are no better. 
because we do not acknowledge who he is. We do not acknowledge our need of him. We try and do it ourselves. We do not ask him for help, just like the little boy. He had to ask his father. We, too, have to ask our father. Do you need help? Ask. This woman, through her suffering, shows us to be a woman of faith. She trusted. In John 15, Jesus tells us that apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. This woman was a woman who grew to, to know that. And she went to the someone who could do something. It drove her to Christ. It drove her to Jesus. You know, in order for her, for this woman, to touch his robe, she needed to get past all of the roadblocks in front of her. The people in the crowd, remember, they shunned her. She had to get past her fear of even being recognized. She didn't have any support. She didn't have any friends. So I'm going to ask you, what is stopping you? What is stopping you? Is it your sorrow? Is it your grief? Is it your anger? Is it your fear? Is it your unbelief? What is stopping you? You know, and, and with all that, that does not mean that we do not have or we do not feel sorrow. It doesn't mean that we don't have grief, profound grief, or fear, or agony, or helplessness, or hopelessness. Some of us may feel forgotten or forsaken. Elijah did. Job did. Jeremiah the weeping prophet did. David did. Hagar did. Eve did. And, you know, we could go on and on. I could probably mention a hundred more names from the Bible. You don't deny your loss. You don't deny the pain that you have. You don't deny your exhaustion, your bewilderment. I'm going to encourage you. Have your moment. Have your moment. But then have your moment with him. Have your moment with him. This woman was unconcerned with the crowd. She did not let the crowd deter her. She pressed her way through. She didn't allow her issue, her impossible situation, to keep her isolated. She didn't allow it to keep her from Jesus. She moved beyond her desperation. She went for a healing. She walked into the crowd to find Jesus. She went with a goal in mind. You know, when, when we feel lost, when you feel lost, not knowing which way to go, follow him. And I'm going to encourage you to, again, purpose in your heart. Purpose in your heart. And to purpose in your heart is to do something. It, it needs to be resolved within you that nothing is going to change your mind. Nothing, your impossible circumstance is not going to stop you. You need to purpose that. You need to purpose in your heart that you're going to cleave to Jesus no matter what. Don't let 
anything come between you and Jesus. Do not let anything eclipse your relationship with Jesus. You know, I've learned, and I'm sure many of you can attest to this as well, in our very darkest of days, in our very darkest of situations, that's when his light shines brightest. But we have to step into his presence. If you do, you will reflect him, and he will shine. Jesus went on to say to her, daughter, your faith, trust, has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, perhaps you are wrestling with your faith, your trust. Perhaps you need to say, just like the father of the epileptic boy, and he said, I believe, I believe, but help my unbelief. You can believe, but you need more. Just tell him, help my unbelief. You see, it was not touching of the garment that healed her. That's not what healed her. It was her faith, her trust that made her whole. She had not asked Jesus to heal her. She didn't have, again, she didn't have a conversation with him. Yet she believed and she trusted. She took a risk. She took a bold risk. She took a radical risk to believe in Jesus and his power. Is our faith radical? Or is it limited? Is it holding us back from pressing forward to him? Is our faith, is our trust, when we have that, that can address your bleeding. You know, he, he cannot bring a loved one back, and he might not bring a physical cure. He may not change your situation, but he can touch us with his comfort. He can touch us with his strength. He can touch us with his purpose. He is near if we let him. Psalm 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. We call, he shines. That day in the crowd, there were many. I mean, everybody was just like shoulder to shoulder. So there were many that brushed up against and touched Jesus. But she did so with intention. She acknowledged her need of him. She acknowledged his sovereignty. And the truth in all the individuals, the Elijahs, the Jobs, the Hagars, the Josephs, the, the woman with the issue of blood, they all had issues, and yet they all had faith. All pressed forward, all pressed toward, and went to God. And I just think they were all stories of his care for those who had no earthly hope. I have a question. Who in this room has asked that their cup of suffering be relieved or removed? Who's ever asked that question? I, I, yeah, I'm gonna answer. <laughs> you know what, so did Jesus. 
Even Jesus himself was deeply anguished over what lay before him. He knew what was to come. He knew that God called him to a journey of great suffering. Isaiah 53.3 says, he prophesied that Christ would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, whatever we face, Jesus understands our suffering, our despair, our grief, and our weaknesses. Jesus' example is summed up in his reaction to God's plan that he die on the cross for our sin. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Yet, he kept going forward. He walked on a little bit further into the garden by himself, and he fell to the ground in prayer. Well, I'm missing a slide, I think, here. Jesus asked his father, and it's in Mark 14, 36, and he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus asked his father to remove his cup. You know, and if Jesus can ask, we can ask too, right? We're good about, we're good about asking for the removal. We're really good about that part. It's the second part that we have trouble with. It's, it's the nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's the part we have trouble with. God wants us to bring our prayers to him. Jesus was asking, is there another way to accomplish your will, Father? Is there any other way? And yet, sometimes there's not. So do you accept his answer, or does he have to pry it out of your hands? You see, the father said no to Jesus. But what if he said, yeah, okay? What if he had said that? There would not have been third day he rose. And where would that have left us? We do not always understand the why, but that no answer brought about the greatest good. Let me see if I can find this. Okay, yes, this one. No, hold on. I'm gonna go back. This one, sorry. Connie, I need help here. <laughs> Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, he is there in the good days, and he's there in the impossible days, too. He doesn't tell us, suck it up, buttercup, get over it. That's not what he says to us. <laughs> what he does is he reaches down into our pits, into our pit of pain, into our pit of suffering, and he lifts us out if we let him. And now I'm, I know I'm going too far now. Which, where am I? Oh. One more. Okay, here. Psalm 42 says, 
He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. What I loved about this verse is he steadied me as I walked along. Not as I, not as I stayed in one place because I quit. So ladies, we need to keep going. We need to keep going. What's the first thing we always ask when we are faced with these circumstances? I know what I ask, why? I always ask why. Why, 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 Lord? So why do we always ask why? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I don't like this scripture. Don't like it at all. Never have, never will. Because every time I hear this scripture, it's because there's a problem. (laughs) There's a pain. There's a suffering. There's something that's bothering me or bewildering me, and I don't get it. And someone quotes a scripture, and I just want to climb out of my skin. (laughs) And I have to ask, well, how is this impossible supposed to work to be something good? How can... How can I possibly allow him to shine in this when I am so miserable? I don't think it's good. So don't tell me that scripture, please. But the thing is, hard times can make it difficult for us to see God's purpose, especially when we only feel pain and grief. Many times we don't want to be reminded that God is working our difficulty for our good. I don't. I don't like that because we have the what in focus instead of the who. Two years ago, I was on a missions trip to Uganda. I broke my ankle on a missions trip. Can you believe it? And within a week, um, I, I I had to fly back for surgery. And within that week, I was given my third diagnosis of cancer. This time it was metatastic breast cancer. My previous breast cancer had spread to my bones and my lung. It is incurable and it is terminal. And I had a lot to say to him. I had a lot to say to him. I told him, Jesus, it's unfair. And he said, I know. And it wasn't that he was agreeing with me, that it was unfair. When he said he, he said, I know, he was telling me he knew and he understood how I felt. And it was in those very moments I came to know him deeper, wider, stronger, but most of all, differently. I know he hears. I know he listens. I told him, I can't do this again. It's too much. I have nothing left. 
I am overcome with sadness. And again he said, I know, Laura. I want your weakness. I want your sadness. I want your anguish. I want your anger. I want it all. Because he knew if I gave him all of it, all of it, I would be able to experience his power, his nearness, his strength, and his comfort. And he sounds good, too. <laughs> Thank you. You know, he didn't expect me to handle it, but he wanted me to hand it over to him. And that's what we have to do. And I'm going to ask you another question, because I ask lots of questions. Is your faith based on the outcome of your circumstance? When it's difficult to trust God, and all of our praying, all of our persuading with God does not alter our circumstances. God wants us to surrender to his plan. You know, there are and there will be times when all of our fasting, all of our praying, all of our serving, all of our Bible studying doesn't change his mind. And the circumstances do not alter, do not change. But when that happens, it will be because he has a better plan than the one we desire or request. So... Uh, you know what? I did get it right. Psalm 18.6 says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From the temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Sisters, he heard me. I was loud. I was very loud. I think some of you may have heard me, too. I'm going to be honest with you. That's how loud I was. You know, but words are not always needed. Our cries and our groanings to him... Those are, the, those are prayers as well. I love what Toby Mack said. Even if all you have left is a whisper, keep praying. Ladies, if all you have left is a whisper, let that whisper be your prayer. I have, I've learned that suffering requires the greatest of faith and trust. And when suffering is lived in the reflection of Christ, we will experience his greatness, power, compassion, and care. And that's when he shines. It allows us to change our perspective on who he is. We have problems understanding his power because we are trying to understand him from our earthly point of view. And we need to look at are impossible through his eyes, not ours. We look at the, our pain, but he sees his plan. We want to celebrate the miracle, and he wants to celebrate this transformation in our lives produced by the lack of our desired miracle. Who would we be right now? Who would be would we be right now without that impossible in our life? We would not be what he has planned, called, or purposed us to be. Is he concerned for us? Yes. Does he love us? Yes. But he is much more concerned with his eternal perspective. I suspect that when Jesus sees us, 
He doesn't see our impossibles as our biggest issues, our biggest problems. He sees our spiritual needs. Know that your impossible is not senseless. It has purpose. His purpose is for his glory to be revealed through you. So how do we let, how do we let Jesus shine in our impossibles? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is to observe Jesus' relationship with his father. The one he had with his father is one of dependence and trust and faith and submission, honor. And just as Jesus reflects the Father, we are to reflect Jesus. Because Jesus reflect, trusted the Father with his life, he could see beyond the agony of the cross. Do you, choose, do you trust Jesus enough to see beyond the suffering? I do have tissues, but thank you. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. Oh, she's a sweetheart. Making me cry. So do you trust Jesus enough to see beyond the suffering of your cross? Jesus depended on his Father to provide all that was needed to accomplish the Father's will in any circumstance. We need to trust because God works. When we fully release our circumstance, we learn to trust him even more. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. John 6.38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And what are we provided? We are provided his word. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Prayer. When you speak, God, lets, God listens. James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let her pray. Psalm 50:15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. And Mark 1:35 says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. We are provided with the opportunity to praise. Psalm 71:14 says, But I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. You know, praising God in the hard times doesn't minimize or deny heaviness of heart. Instead, it re redirects our focus on who God is. He never changes. We praise him because he's worthy. We praise him because... We praise him for the cross and the resurrection. We praise him for his faithfulness. God will never not be good. He is good in every situation. 
He also provides the Holy Spirit, and we are to yield. Ephesians 3.16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You know, it may seem impossible to shine the light of Jesus during impossible circumstances and in difficulties, but be encouraged, we do not shine from our own power, but from the spirit working in us. When we feel weak, he provides strength. When we are unable to see clearly, he guides. When things do not make sense, he speaks truth over us. When it's hard, and this is the one that ministered to me the most in in my cancer journey. When it's hard to trust God, remember. Remember how he has used your suffering, your pain, your circumstances in your past, in your past, to make you stronger. Remember that and apply those blessings received during those times, the lessons learned, the growth given, the deliverance bestowed. Apply all of those things from the past to the pain you struggle with now. Remember what he has done. To me, remember is like putting um, shoes on your faith because it will take you to a new place. It will take you to a new way of thinking, which will take you to a new way of feeling. So how does he shine in our impossibles? When? Well, when we cry out, help me when our dependence is 100% on him. You know, he allows things in our lives that we cannot accomplish ourselves. We cannot endure by ourselves. We cannot work through on our own. He calls us to be his. He calls us to surrender. He calls us to be 100% dependent on him. So through the power of the spirit, we can be strengthened to get through the impossible. And once again, you see, God doesn't change our circumstances. And God doesn't change when our circumstances change. He is the same great God in our valley that he was on the mountaintop. And what delights us about him on the good days should be true of him on the bad days. He may not change our circumstances around us, but he can change us inside. It might not be what's around you, but it'll be what's in you. No matter what, we are more than our circumstances. Our circumstances do not define us. They do not define who we are. Our standing is in Christ alone. Our standing in Christ alone should define how our circumstances affect us. We don't place our hope in our circumstance. We place our hope in Jesus Christ alone. And I think that might be it. 
Jeremiah 32:17 says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Hebrews 4:16 tells us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I want to close with this scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The thing, the Lord speaks to me sometimes in these what visions or pictures or whatever it is, and as I was sitting, standing up here looking out, I kept seeing, uh, you remember uh, the story that God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. And that's what I kept seeing. The thing is about it, he parted it after the Israelites took that first step into the water. He didn't part it before. They had to take that first step. And I just think for some, he is waiting for you to take your first step. And I want to end in prayer, but um, if you need prayer for an impossible situation, for an impossible circumstance that you feel is completely hopeless, I want you to stand, if there's anyone. Hey, ladies, you know what to do. Can you lay hands on these women? Okay. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we are broken people. And, Lord, we call on the God of Elijah and David, the God of Job, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah and Hagar, the blind man, the lame man, the woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood. That's the same God we call upon right now, Lord. Lord, help us to trust and believe that your ways are always good. Lord, we do believe, and yet we ask tonight, help our unbelief. There are many of us here who need a physical touch, an emotional touch, or spiritual touch. Lord, help us to remember your love, remember your faithfulness, your grace, your mercy, May we press forward and not let anything deter us from seeking you. May we purpose in our hearts, Jesus, may we purpose to let you shine in all circumstances, our circumstances. 
We need your help. Jesus, for each woman standing, may it be like a representative of, a, of the woman reaching out to touch the hem of your garment. And we are fighting through the crowd of sorrow. We are fighting through the crowd of unbelief, of fear, of anger, of loneliness, and maybe even numbness. Lord, we're fighting. But may our encounter with you bring strength to the very marrow of their bones, to my bones. May we all move forward with expectation and insurance that you are near. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. For each woman here, you count the hairs on their head. You know exactly what they're going through. And you are there. You are near. Father, make yourself so real to them. And would they surrender? Would you increase their faith? Would you capture their tears? And would you hold them close? Thank you, Lord, that you are mighty and sovereign. You are sovereign in your yeses, and you're sovereign in your noes. You know our yesterdays. You know our todays, and you know our tomorrows. And may the impossibles in our lives be the places of your best work in us. We give them to you. And just like the, little, the father who told the little boy, just ask, Lord, help us. Help us to believe. Help us. And may you, Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.